Well, maybe. Psalms 32. We got to get rolling because I got a whole bunch to say. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad to be back tonight, amen, to be able to study another portion of God's Word. And no, it's a, been a hot day though, ain't it? It's been very hot and I'm going to probably just look over when I flip to the next slide. But <clears throat> this evening I want to talk about forgiveness and I want to talk about the joy of forgiveness. You know, this is a psalm from David, and we see the heart of this great man coming out of the pages of this psalm. I want to go ahead and read it, and then I want to talk a little bit more about it. Verse 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy all you upright in heart." Imagine this, you're standing on trial and you've been locked up for something that you've committed. You're guilty. And the moment has finally come. The jurors come back into the courtroom and sit down and you hear the judge say, has the jury reached a verdict? All the sweat, all the pressure. Could you imagine? All the anxiety. And here it is at its peak. And the judge receives the verdict and he says, We the jury find the defendant not guilty. What kind of emotions would be going through your head? Think about the weight that would have been lifted off your shoulders. You were guilty, but found not guilty. The bailiff comes over and he takes the handcuffs off of your hands. 
He says, you're free to go. And he even goes and he shakes your hand. In that moment, life suddenly takes on new meaning, doesn't it? All of a the sudden, there's joy. All of a the sudden, there's rejoicing. That brings us to this psalm. David says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, and blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. I want us to think about that word forgiveness. Those of us who are in Christ have been blessed with the ability to have our sins forgiven. They were washed away at baptism, and every time that we sin, we have the ability to have it forgiven again. But in order for us to keep sinning at a minimum, we must take it serious. I want us to just take a look and have a little bit of an understanding of what it means to be forgiven. The first thing is, Timothy, can you just flip them for me? I'll just holler at you. The first thing is, we need to feel guilty when we sin. Now think about that one. We need to feel guilty when we sin. Look at verses 3 and 4. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. You ever done something and you weren't supposed to do it? Because your parents told... I remember doing things that my mom and dad told me not to do, and boy, I would just feel bad not telling them. I wouldn't tell them for a while. I'd just keep on doing it and think they wouldn't ever figure it out, you know. And the more I kept silent and the more I kept quiet, boy, it just started bothering me more and more, right? Through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. That pressure starts building, doesn't it? The pressure starts mounting up and you know, well, what am I going to do? Should I tell them? Should I not? Should I wait? What should I do? Can I figure out a way to get out of it? You know, you start going through these crazy thoughts in your mind. And I like this, uh, what it says right here in verse 4. It says, my vitality, or some may say, my juice was turned into the drought of summer. That word right there is my drive, my energy. You know, when you're not doing the right thing, maybe you're trying to play it off and act like you're not doing something in front of somebody, but you have done it, and you just don't want to tell them. That energy just gets sucked out of you, doesn't it? Because you're trying to cover it up. You're trying not to let anybody bust you. You're trying not to let anybody know until the time's right. Think about those hidden sins in our lives. Think about those things that nobody knows about. Well, somebody does, right? But his energy was turned into the drought of summer. Look at what Isaiah 29, 15 says, and I'm going to have to come down here and read it. The one time I don't put it on my notes, right? 
Look at what it says. Woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord. And their works are in the dark. They say, who sees me? And who knows us? Go to the next one, Timothy. Ezekiel 8, 12. In this context, uh, God is about to show Ezekiel what is exactly going on in the temple. He's about to show him exactly what is going on with the elders inside of the house. Look at what it says. Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the room of his idols. For they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. I'm going to hide it. I'm not going to talk about it. I don't feel guilty at all. Look at what Proverbs 28, 13 says. It says, He who covers his sins will not prosper. And there's a part two of that. But think about that first part of that verse. He who covers his sins will not prosper. Why is that, brethren? Because that's all you're worried about. It becomes number one in your life. But if I feel guilty about my sin... If I mess up and I feel guilty about it, then what it causes me to do is to address it. If I don't ever address it, then I'll just continue to keep it hidden. See, watch what verse 5 says. It says, I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. See, the second part of that is we must confess our sins. See, if we want to understand forgiveness, we first must feel guilty about messing up, right? We must first understand that sin is not what we're supposed to be a part of. And when we understand that, and we feel guilty about it, then we should be willing to confess it, right? Turn with me to 2 Samuel 12. Did I skip that slide? Got me. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7 through 12. I want to look at this just real uh, quick. I want to look at David. We talked about this before, and I, I preached on this, but I, I want us to see this play out. Now, was this psalm written out of this story, out of the Bathsheba situation? We don't really know. Some say yes, some say no. It doesn't really matter. But watch how this comes out. Verse 7. Nathan comes to him and he gives him this story and about this little ewe lamb that uh, was this one guy's prized possession and the king had all these lambs and, and instead of the king getting one of his lambs, he goes and gets this guy. And David gets really upset. 
And David wants to punish the man. And Nathan in verse 7, he says, You are the man. And thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Now I want to just put this into our thoughts real quick. I want to put it into our spiritual application. What has God blessed us with, brethren? Just name it, right? We have been blessed beyond what we can even imagine. Like we talked about this morning, we've been translated or moved into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And in that kingdom, what we receive is redemption and forgiveness of sins. But see, what do we do? It gets back to these little sins that we want to hide away. We want to tuck away because we love them. We want to pet them things and take care of them, right? Because they're so precious to us. David had hid this sin. He was continually trying to cover it up. He commits the adultery with Bathsheba and then he ends up killing the husband. And now he's busted. God said, I would have given you much more. In verse 9, why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in His sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and you have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore... The sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversaries against you from your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel. Before the sun. Brethren, here's the reality. Sin is deceitful in the fact that it doesn't tell you the truth. When you sin, there's consequences. What you do will have consequences. And just because you're a child of God and you sin does not mean you're exempt from that. Boy, how serious sin is. So here was David. He knew what was happening. He knew what was going on. And David turns to him in verse 13 and he says, I have sinned against the Lord. He admits it. He doesn't hide it. He doesn't go and and, and tuck it away and make the excuse. No, he admits it. He confesses it. And he meant it. How do I know that? Because look at what happens in the next comment. And Nathan said to David... The Lord has also put away your sin. You shall not die. The punishment for adultery was death. God knew his heart. God gave him mercy. God forgave him. But he was willing to confess it. He took it serious. Not for a while though, right? 
He hid it and he hid it and he hid it. Look at what Proverbs 28, 13 says. Sorry about that. I got y'all mixed up, Timothy. One more. There we go. Now watch this whole proverb. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. (laughs) Now wait a minute. Think about that word. Whoever confesses the sin and whoever forsakes it, I'm going to turn from that sin. I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not going to be a part of my life. Yeah, I struggle with it, but you know what? It's not going to keep getting me every time. It gets me. And when I do that and my heart is right, because God knows the heart, right? He doesn't look on the outside. He looks right at your heart. He sees how serious you are. And when you're serious, you receive mercy. That's why it's so important for us to confess our sins to each other. Look at James 5, 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. Brethren, I'm struggling with some stuff. Pray for me, right? Hey, I got some things that are going on in my life that I just need you to pray for. I just need you to be there for me. Can you do that? When I do that, what does it do? It relieves that tension that I've got. Yeah, maybe I am a little bit embarrassed, but who cares when it comes down to it? Because if I want to be right with God, everything else should be second. Because I want to be pleasing to Him. And when I do that, then I receive mercy from the Almighty King. Look at what Acts 3 says. Look at what, Paul, what Peter says. He says, repent therefore and be converted. He's talking to him about obeying the gospel. But look at this. Be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. A refreshing time. Doesn't it feel good when you let the sin off your chest? That thing you've been holding in for so long? i got to tell you something. This is what I did. I'm so embarrassed about it. And once you work through that and the initial hit comes and whatever the reaction is to whoever you're talking to, once it's off of your chest, doesn't that always feel a little bit better when you get done? The third thing and the final thing is this we got to feel guilty about it. It's got to bother us enough to want to do something about it. And when it bothers us enough to want to do something about it, we need to confess it. And then when we confess it, we're forgiven. And some things happen. Be ready for some blessings. Look at verses 10 and 11 back in Psalm 32. And we're going to kind of work our way back up through these verses just real quick. It says, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. 
If you want to lie, if you want to hide it, if you want to play Christian, if you want to act like you're doing the right things, but really your whole life is full of just sinful mess, you'll be sorrowful a lot. You can try to act happy. You can try to act like your life is where it needs to be at, but it won't be because really you're just playing two lives, acting like you're something that you're really not. What a struggle that is, isn't it? To try and make your life right if it's not right. And then act like in front of everybody else everything's good instead of saying, you know what, I'm, I've messed up. I've done some things that I need to get right and I need some prayers and maybe I need to talk to the elders. Whatever the situation is, maybe I just need to talk to a brother or a sister. Man, can you listen to me for just a minute? Can you just hear me and, and, and do it in a way that when I tell you this, you're not going to go tell everybody else? Please. Can I just tell you in confidence some of the things that I'm struggling with? But the one who trusts in the Lord, here it is again, mercy shall surround him. And then he says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. What are the blessings that you receive when you ask for forgiveness and you mean it? You get a clear conscience. Look at verse 5 at the very end of it. He says he confessed my transgression to the Lord and it says, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You forgave me. We have a hard time forgiving people sometimes, right? I mean, we're human beings. If somebody does something wrong to you and they ask for forgiveness, it's hard for us. Yeah, I forgive you, but we still kind of remember it, right? Here's the blessing that comes from God. He forgives you. You're forgiven. Now, what are you going to do for me? I forgive you. I know you meant it. What are you going to do for me now? It's clean. It's gone. He gives you a clean conscience. What other blessings come from that? God becomes our refuge. You know, when you ask for forgiveness, you don't immediately want to go back and sin, do you? <laughs> Lord, forgive me, but boy, I'm glad. Because if you really did that way, it wasn't really asking for forgiveness, was it? It wasn't a repentance leading to salvation. It was just, I'm sorry I got busted, right? But if I really mean what I'm asking for, if I'm really trying to change who I am and I messed up, God becomes our refuge. Look at what verse 6 and 7 say. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near Him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble, and you shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for me. I appreciate that you've forgiven my sin. And you know what? I know now that I'm not going to do what I've been doing. Why was I living like that? I have no idea, but I'm sorry, Lord. What other blessing? God's instructions 
come to us. You know, you ask for forgiveness and you want to do the right thing. You're willing to accept it really uh, happily right then at that time, right? I'm ready to listen to what I'm supposed to do because I don't want to mess up anymore. Verses 8 and 9 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. And he goes into talking about this horse or this mule which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with the bit and the bridle or it won't come near to you. When we ask for forgiveness... What a blessing that is. Because we have a clean conscience. We understand what God tells us to do. From this point on, we understand that uh, 1 John 1, 9, you got it up there. If we confess our sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if I'm forgiven of my sin, I'm also cleansed from all unrighteousness. That's something to be excited about. What a blessing it is to be forgiven of our sins. You know, our God is a merciful God and a God that loves us. But we must do our part and realize that when we sin, it's a big deal. It's something that we should not want to be a part of. I want you to listen to these definitions of these words. A transgression is a rebellion. Refusing to submit to rightful authority. To sin means to miss the mark that God wants us at. Iniquity, it means to bend or twist something that's straight. So when I bend or I change the way that I'm supposed to go, that's the definition of iniquity. And deceit, deliberate cover-up. Falsehood, hypocrisy, presenting a false front, acting like I'm something else. Acting like I'm something, but I'm not really that. The dangers of not understanding what forgiveness does for us is it puts us in that situation. But when we understand what forgiveness means, it should change who we are. Because when I mess up, and I'm going to mess up, I don't hold on to it. I don't put it in this little box and keep it there where nobody can know. No, I take care of it. And I know that I can be forgiven every time that it happens. I want to close with Titus 3, 4, and 5. I want you to just look at this verse. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, 
But according to His mercy, He saved us. We couldn't do it good enough. We couldn't do it the right way. We'll mess up. Even though we strive to do it, it's not in us to do the right thing because we always think the better way is not God's way. But even in that, He loved us so much that He gave us a way to be saved through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So how do you feel about forgiveness, brethren? Are you happy about it? Are you sad about it? Does it even mean anything to you? If it doesn't mean anything to you, then you're not understanding exactly what God has given us. He's given us a way to be happy all the days of our life. If you've got sin that's on you, don't keep it in. Get it off. Get it out. Get it away from who you are. Don't let it consume you and let it control you. David says at the beginning of the verse of the psalm, he says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. No matter what the outcome, no matter what's going to be the end result, no matter what the punishment is, if it's against God's will and you know it's sin, confess it. Get it out and deal with it. Because the Lord will forgive you if you mean it in your heart. Maybe you're here tonight and you have been sinning. Maybe you're here and you've been hiding some things that you're ashamed to even talk about. Maybe you need prayers. Maybe you need to talk about it. Maybe, I don't know what's going on with you. Maybe you just need a hug. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian though. Maybe you're here and you need to become a child of God. You can do it tonight. By obedience to the gospel, believing who Jesus was and what He did, repenting of your sins, confessing His name before men, just like we saw earlier. What, What a great morning, amen? I mean, we just had a child of God come up out of that water. Maybe you want to do the same thing. Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you need to be saved... If you need prayers, if you need to repent, come right now together we stand and sing.